This is the State of Things broadcasting from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Anita Rao. In 1995, poet Leonard Moore opened his home to Black writers in North Carolina, eager to give them a space to perfect their craft. They gathered over sweet tea and snacks to critique each other's work and elevate it to new levels. Now, 25 years later, the Carolina African American Writers Collective is celebrating its history with an anthology. All the songs we sing includes fiction and nonfiction prose, along with many varieties of poetry, all by members of the collective. Joining me now to talk about the anthology is Leonard Moore, the founder of the Carolina African American Writers Collective and editor of All the Songs We Sing. Leonard, welcome to the State of Things. Uh, thank you, Jenny, for having us. Of course. I am Anita. Jenny is our wonderful engineer who you spoke with earlier, setting you up. Also with us is Bridget Lacey, journalist, author, and member of the collective. Bridget, welcome. Thank you, Anita. And Angela Belcher-Epps joins us as well. She's a writer and member of the collective. Hey, Angela. Hello. So, Leonard, you started holding these meetings in your basement in 1995. Tell me about the, the decision behind creating this intentional space for Black writers in the state. Uh, well, uh, Nita, uh, I tried to create a safe space for black writers to workshop, critique their works, and, you know, in the workshops not have to explain cultural references and, and things of that nature, and, and to get uh, feedback. And, and when you don't have to explain your work, you have more time for uh, the critique, uh, because, uh, you know, each person has a limited amount of time because back during that time, there were sometimes like 12 to 16 or 18 or more people coming to the meeting. So, uh, we had to do that. Bridget, tell me more about that. I mean, give me, can you give me an example maybe of something that you didn't have to explain because you were in space with these other writers from a similar background versus something you'd have to explain in another writer's collective? Well, um, I remember even when I, when Phyllis Hyman died, the rhythm and um, um, R&B singer, and I remember wanting to write a first-person piece about her death, and I remember initially my editor at the News and Observer, they were like, oh, they didn't know who she was. Mm. I wrote it anyway, and, I mean, it was read on radio. But if you grew up in uh, the black community in the 1980s, you knew who Phyllis Hyman was, uh, the singer. In fact, some people referred to her as the Nile because she was this tall black woman who would command the stage. So that's kind of some of the things that happens yeah, just kind of that unspoken sense of community knowledge that you didn't have to explain to these other people that is probably really liberating to just kind of free up your ability to write without having to explain a lot of stuff first. Angela, how about for you when you joined the collective? Um, what was your initial experience like of being in that space? Well, I can definitely um, echo the sentiment shared by Bridget and Leonard because I grew up in New York City, but also in down east North Carolina. Mm. And at the time, there was um, a strong community of uh, black teachers, um, chicken thieves, uh, store owners, all these people who came together in this one community. So it was a very rich life. And you don't have to explain that because that was common, I think, all over the country before integration was widespread. So there is that common knowledge of what goes on in these very 
multifarious communities. And that was very liberating because I could write and read and everyone would understand exactly what I was talking about. And what seems so interesting about this is it's bringing writers together who write in so many different kinds of mediums. Bridget, I'd love for you to maybe share a piece for us and then tell us a little bit behind the scenes about how this collective really shaped the creation of this piece. Uh, I think you have a selection from uh, Sense and Sensibility. Yes. Okay. Maybe I should have taken more time to smell the fragrant rosemary in my yard or I should have soaked in my almond-scented bubble bath more often. Perhaps I should have savored the sweetness of my Uncle Jack's red roses instead of assuming they would always be there for me. Nineteen years ago, when I lost my sense of smell, my ability to relish those simple pleasures went away. I never thought that at 37 years old, my olfactory nerve would be stolen by a benign brain tumor the size of a tennis ball. That's journalist and author Bridget Lacey reading a selection from her essay, Sense and Sensibility, featured in the anthology All the Songs We Sing. So that's based on a very personal experience for you, and and you are a journalist. So tell me about how the collective helped you shape this piece, maybe from from being written in a way that was more geared toward your traditional journalism to something uh, a little bit more literary. Well, it was interesting. I had written the piece um, maybe 10 years into when I first lost my sense of smell, and um, it just kind of stayed there. I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember bringing a giraffe to the collective, and everybody gets a copy, and just getting the feedback. What about this? What about adding a little more of that? I think the piece ends here, not where you have it. Um, So it's that constructive criticism, always given with love, Mm -hmm. that really helps. Um, You know, sometimes in other environments, the criticism is not as constructive. And, you know, it's kind of like in the old days when people would say it's all about tone. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think in the collective, it's always said with tenderness uh, and with the eye toward growth. Leonard, how do you set the parameters for that kind of environment? Because it is, I mean, it is a delicate balance to make people feel like you're appreciating their work and this this criticism is coming from a constructive place, but it is all about the dynamic of that group and how the feedback is shared. How do you foster that? Well, well, even though you may be pointing out something that needs a little more tweaking or work, there's usually always something that's good in the work, and I think one should point that out, too, in and, and such an encouraging way. But what I noticed in Bridget's work when she just read that, and I reread some of Angela's work, too, uh, the perennials, both of them start out with very vivid imagery, and we do talk about how to uh, create a, a picture uh, with words or vivid imagery so that the reader can see what you're talking about, how to create music in your work, uh, have that rhythm there, and, and certain other literary elements. So uh, hopefully that is how uh, we're able to help. In fact, when I was going to do this uh, anthology, I contacted Bridget and Angela and Teresa, and we all met at K&W and talked about it a little bit. Uh, So uh, 
In fact, Bridget was at the very first collectives meeting, uh, August 12, 1995. Uh, so, yeah, she was the, one of the ones attending back then. So Been there right and from the start. And Angela goes back to the 1990s, too. Angela, I'd love, I mean, what Leonard mentioned about imagery, and, and he's a poet, so he's clearly really coming from that perspective of trying to bring out that tangible image. You are not a poet, but there are poets in the collective. How has working alongside people from other mediums influenced your own work? It has been the most valuable and difficult, in, I guess, the. Um, it's been so richly informed by their rhythm and their music, as Leonard said. We meander as fiction writers. There are, we use lots of words, and we feel we have so much space to get things done. But with the poets, they will take a, an entire slice of life and filter it down to eight lines, or, or sometimes it will be five lines, and they cultivate our ability to do that by having many exercises at the meetings. And I've been told so many times, even by Leonard, take out those ands, take out the thes, <laughs> and my writing gets so crisp and so sharp. And over the years, it's almost as if I edit with these poets on my shoulder. So I really appreciate that. And I sometimes say it's almost like taking a strong dose of lemon-flavored castor oil because the the fine-tuning is so much work, but the result is very lemony, which is something that I really love. So thank you so much, Collective, for giving me this experience as a fiction writer. Would you read a selection for us from one of your works? I will. I'll read the first two paragraphs of my novella, Salt in the Sugar Bowl. Sophia's strong waitress legs felt thin and weak. It had been two days since she'd had so much as a cracker. She bumped back and forth down the aisle, holding on to backrest of the Coastline Express toward an empty seat. Maybe the bus would have a freak accident with her as the only fatality. Have it known that Sophia Sawyer died on a bus unexpectedly 35 miles from home. Death was palatable. They could put it in the obituary section, and her people would, could have a good cry, then put a period on her life and move on. There was nothing palatable about a woman leaving six children behind in Hayden, North Carolina, on a balmy April morning with no intention of ever looking back. The flat black fields of eastern North Carolina gave way to thick swamp foliage, but Sophia would not look. She covered her eyes as she passed the only places she'd ever known in her 39 years. Her long tan hands squeezed against a headache that felt like a sharpened hatchet hacking away at her skull. She let out an animal moan. Sophia had proven as clear as wedding crystal she was not the woman anyone thought she was, including herself. Angela Belcher Epps reading an excerpt from her novella, Salt in the Sugar Bowl, which is featured in the anthology All the Songs We Sing. I'm also here with Leonard Moore and Bridget Lacey, two other contributors to that anthology and two other members of the African American Writers Collective. So, Leonard, you're marking an important anniversary this year, 25 years, and you are, you've created this anthology. Tell me about putting this together and, and the story you were hoping to tell about the collective through all of these writings in this book. Well, many of the works were workshop 
and the uh, collective at the meetings. And then, too, we also have writing prompts or writing exercises, so we also generate work in the meetings. But what I tried to do in this particular anthology, since we are collective, I tried to have works that, uh, in some way or another, were in conversation with one another, and, and that carried some kind of rhythm, and then also that... Uh, uh, dealt with the South, uh, the American South, and uh, North Carolina in particular, and and also I thought that uh, there seemed to be some kind of rhythm or or singing here with the words. So then I came up with the title, All the Songs We Sing, because we are a collective. And I would like to say that our North Carolina Port Laureate, Jackie Sheldon Green, also has an intro in here, uh, introducing the uh, book. So uh, that's that's really good. And uh, Laura Scrutinier, uh also has uh, Atherword in here. Wonderful. And, uh, and and so you know, I think the works speak for themselves. I try to have the very best work in here. Uh, so I guess it was kind of tough with uh, you know trying to get the best work. So. That's what we did. Uh, we included the best work to hopefully represent the Carolina African American Writers Collective in the best light and also show the range of our voices. And also, as you mentioned, the poems in here are ballads, haiku, minute poems, um, quonsabas, uh Will you read one of, your, one of your own poems for us? I'd love to get a sample. Okay, I read my bop. However, mine is kind of innovative because uh, the reframe should be from a song, one line or two lines, but I thought I did not want to deal with permission, so I created my own reframe in my poem. <laughs> Perfect. And Afar Michael Weaver created the form, and so there should be a complaint and all of that and uh, resolution. So I'm going to read the poem. Uh, first off, uh, my students were telling me uh, one time in my creative writing class that some of the athletes also write uh, poems and they don't want it known. I, I don't know. But anyway, so I wrote this poem. Bop, coaching poets. In class, my six-foot-tall student next to the window, dreads locked on her back, Says guys on the b-ball team write poetry, don't want it public, up front I nod, know what you must do, don't be satisfied, I hand out two poems, tell them Quincy Troop, Yusuf K, pen them, their riffs clear, they peer up, wide-eyed, heads tilted like cups. They never give a signal that they write lines that sizzle with strong light. Know what you must do. Don't be satisfied. Three decades I've lived the words that flame my pages and do not apologize for writing. A man like me knows what to tell his students without shooting jive. Know what you must do. Don't be satisfied. Leonard Moore reading one of his poems featured in the, in the anthology All the Songs We Sing. Writers Bridget Lacey and Angela Belter Epps also with me. The rhythm came through so strongly there, really evocative. And, and it makes me think kind of about the 
the importance of obviously being able to critique one another's works as a collective, but then being able to publish things together so people can consume them in conversation with one another. And I know that's something that you really do with a collective even outside of this anthology. Bridget, I'd love for you to talk about that, kind of working together with other members of the collective to get your work published. Well, I like when Lenard talked about it in conversation. And I mean, the collective in a way is like a, a choir in some ways. And um, I think it was always important from the very beginning that we not just be published individually, but as a group. You know, as a group, our voices kind of standing strong. So Lenard would often send out um, invitations from various editors um, that he uh, knew or people looking for submissions. And Lenard will call you and go, are you writing? (laughs) So he's constantly soliciting us to keep up, to keep the the work going. (laughs) So it's not just when the work is not happening just when we're at the meetings. The work is happening all the time. Angela, there is something in the introduction of this book that Leonard wrote saying that he hopes that the book triggers memories for the readers. I wonder if there's any particular memory that's triggered for you when you read the work of your peers in this collective. Well, one memory is definitely that everyone works so hard. I expected it to be like a fun kind of we all come and have a good time, but it's been very serious work, and I respect that. And when I opened the anthology and I just looked at the poems, I would remember that someone would bring, you know, a page of poetry, and we would belabor the word, each word, and they'd bring it back, and we'd do it again, and then you see how much time has been spent honing that craft, and that's the biggest memory I have, that it has been serious work. It hasn't been that we come together and celebrate the fact that we make words. We come together and we work for that celebration, and that's the biggest memory that I have, that it has been ongoing. It's always been that kind of rigor that I appreciate as an educator and as a writer, because that's what growth is all about. And that work is going to be ongoing despite the pandemic. I know that uh, there is going to be a virtual workshop this weekend to celebrate the release of all of the songs, or sorry, all the songs we sing. And we have all those details about that workshop at our website, stateofthings.org. I'm out of time now, but thank you all so much for joining me. Lenard Moore, the founder of the Carolina African American Writers Collective and editor of the anthology, All the Songs We Sing. Bridget Lacey, a journalist, writer, and author of Sunday Dinner, a Savor the South cookbook. Angela Belcher-Epps, a writer and author author of the novella Salt in the Sugar Bowl. Thank you all so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you Thank for you having so us. Much. Of course, the anthology All the Songs We Sing is out June 2nd.